Welcome to the Hyatt 9 News Hour, where you will hear from cannabis industry experts and professionals from around the country talk about important topics while shining light on global issues and discussing cannabis as it relates to politics, regulation and reform, data and technology, science, research and medicine, family and parenting, art, celebrities and entertainment, fitness, sports, mental health and wellness, and plant-based medicines and entheogenics. Together, we are building a stronger community, fighting the stigma and creating change. With your hosts, Jason Beck and Rico Lamite, joined by special industry expert correspondents from around the country and daily antics brought to you by Cannabis. Coming to you live every Monday through Friday at 9 a.m. Pacific time and high noon on the East Coast. And thank you all for getting high at 9 with us. Oh, yeah. Good morning, everybody. Today is Friday. We finally made it. It is July 7th, and today is National Strawberry Sunday Day. It's also National Father-Daughter Take-A-Walk Day, so we know what Rico is going to be doing today, being a dope dad. It's also, you're going to love this, Rico, it's also World Chocolate Day, <laughs> along with Global <laughs> Forgiveness Day and National Day of Rock and Roll along with National Macaroni Day and everyone's favorite, get ready, National Dive Bar Day. Oh, yeah, on a Friday. Thank you for joining us and getting high at 9 with us. It's hot. It's Thank you for joining us and getting high at 9 with us. It's also high noon on the East Coast. And please remember to like, share, and subscribe to us on all social media platforms. Use that fancy little QR code right there in the top-hand corner of your screen to find out where we live on the Internet. And we're live every Monday through Friday on YouTube and audio only on Twitter Spaces. And if you are joining us in Twitter Spaces, you can also participate in the show by raising your hand if you have a brief comment on the story most recently presented. But kicking it off, that's right. We have the dope dad himself. That's right. Rico Lamite. When he's not flip-flopping, you can find him skipping my loo with his daughter since it's daddy-daughter walking day. You know what I'm saying? That's right. He's going to skip to the loo on his story. And this is the dope dad himself, Rico Lamite. Your applause is much weaker whatever than i've ever put up such a hater saying. such a <laughs> hater such a hater for today's story i'd like to take us out to the great state of new york once again where it was all good just a week ago the painfully slow rollout of new york cannabis regulations have no doubt made it difficult to, uh, for operators wishing to participate in the empire state opportunity to sell cannabis legally a number of bureaucratic setbacks have left farmers with hundreds of thousands of pounds of product and outside the 12 dispensaries opened over the last seven plus months, nobody to sell to. In what seemed last month as a lifeline or an olive branch out to everyone involved, the farmer's market that was proposed, just like everything else, was just a mirage. That's right, according to New York Post, Governor Kathy Hochul, Gretchen Gailey's favorite Democrat, <laughs> and her administration has put the brakes on a plan to allow licensed cannabis growers and retailers to sell weed and other cannabis products at farmers markets and festivals. Another expensive setback in the slow rollout of a, the legal pot industry. 
Officials with the State Office of Cannabis, uh, Cannabis Man uh, Management, the OCM, announced a plan in June to help struggling licensed farmers sitting on a massive stockpile of weed, over 300,000 pounds now, uh, because of the extensive delay in opening state-sanctioned and taxed retail cannabis program, with just 16 dispensaries and delivery outlets open throughout, the, uh, throughout New York. Farmers and sellers were hoping the Empire State would have drafted the rules in just in time for peak summer season, starting with 4th of July weekend, which came and passed. But guess what? There was no farmer's market. CEO of Queen-based Cannabis Place, Osbert Orduna, says, It's a little confusing and disappointing that it hasn't happened yet. Mayor Eric Adams previously estimated that there are 1,500 illegal shops that have taken root in the city since the state legalized um, back in 2021. Hochul put that number up to 2,500 while law enforcement claims the number is a lot closer to 5,000. What would you say, Jason? Way more than that. I'd say so as well. <laughs> Adding that the average illegal smoke shop is making about two to 3,000 in profit alone a day. And the Hochul administration has put the brakes on that plan leaving everybody else in limbo. I'm Rico to meet the dopest dad on the street. I really hope that these people get relief out in New York or what is just going to continue to be New Trap City. Oh, man. New Trap City. I think we should make a movie about that and be really good with a cannabis theme. You know what I mean? I really think so, man. Who would play Nino Brown? Um, Do these people uh, read the, the news from California? It just makes you wonder. Um, if you overtax and overregulate and don't give legal outlets for this product, mm -hmm. black market just eats your lunch. Yeah, it does. Dale. And inside of these bureaucracies, whether people will say it or not, this is still treated like depleted uranium. Mm -hmm. You know, we've got to make sure that no person has a whiff of the odor. No kid could ever possibly touch this shit. It's just mind boggling for something that. Doc, you can you know speak to this. The LD50 for this stuff, the lethal dose for half the population, you have to eat three quarters of a ton in 15 minutes. It's like a 1 to 20,000 or 1 to 40,000 ratio. And no one's ever been killed. So it makes you wonder, um, why is your butt pucker so much uh, over some kid? You know, I don't advocate kids get this, but for God's sakes, some of this stuff is just mind-boggling, the fear-mongering that continues to, to drive these bureaucracies and I mean I, I I don't know if doc if you worked in an ER I worked in one for five years and there's no threat to human beings from overdosing on weed I mean unless you're trying to drive a car and be stupid uh, you pass out maybe but these receptors are not concentrated in the brain stem so even if you're Dead ass asleep and can't wake you up, you're still breathing and your heart's beating. So, you know, from the standpoint of, oh, are we really concerned about this? It's just, it's non-existent. It's, it's marketing for keeping it depleted uranium. And it, it just continues to boggle my mind. And, and if you're in the, the black market, you're just laughing all the way to wherever you bury your money. It's just mind boggling. They probably do have uh, safe banking for trappers. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's a, it's a clear disconnect, you know, it's a clear disconnect between the science, what we know, uh, and how people are behaving out there. And it's because we've been lied to for years, you know, since before Nixon. So, 
Um, it's hard to change people's minds you know, after they've been they've been told all their lives one one thing, and that's what that's the problem, pretty much. I mean, well, and from a tr criminal justice standpoint, um, and this goes clear back to before prohibition. That as soon as you pass a prohibition, it makes that product valuable. Okay. Um, now, if more than 10% of your population is not going to honor the prohibition, you can't enforce it. This is not something brand new. And what you see in all these states trying to legalize is that if you don't legalize this stuff for real and you keep these prohibitions in place and you can't enforce them, this is, this is circular insanity. Hey, the DSM should have a category for this of continuing to do stupid shit repeatedly, expecting a different result. Okay, it's that should be diagnosable. But that's what happens to these these bureaucrats is that they're so afraid to do anything because it might be politically unpopular that the trap shops just they don't need any of this. They'll sell around the corner at a farmer's market. They don't give a shit. Yeah, straight up. Very, very true. Now, I, I would like to see. Because um, you mentioned you uh, mentioned Dale and uh, and Dr. Talleyrand that that they how, how much was the amount that someone would have to consume within fifteen minutes? Well, in the eighties, the figure that we were taught, and I think this was verified by Francis Young, the DE administrative law judge, you would have to consume three quarters of a ton, fifteen hundred pounds of biomass, flowers, if you will. Uh, in 15 minutes. Now, today, because of extraction techniques and things like that, I'm sure you could take the THC content from three quarters of a ton and reduce it down to maybe a few gallons of some concentrate or something like that. But, you know, that people are not going to drink a gallon of THC concentrate. That's stupid. I, I, so, have, I, I have a question, Dale. So now, did they specify as to as to how the delivery system needed to be in order to consume that much? Like, was is that smoking? Is that ingesting uh, or injection? Orally, orally. It was orally. So so, so yeah. we so we in essence could have, since we know that no one could could ingest that much in a short amount of time, but we could have a weed eating contest and see who ate the most within fifteen minutes. <laughs> Right, and do you know how that, how how they do like the the, the hot dog challenges? Joey Chestnut for the yeah, win. Yeah, exactly. We need we need to get a Joey Chestnut for cannabis to 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 have an actual study to prove this of how undamaging cannabis is to the body. Hold on, could that could that could, could that be Mandy Tingler? Oh, geez, here we well, go. Uh, the bigger problem, and and Doc, you can talk about this, is that this product if you smoke it does not interrupt uh the natural cell overturn of apoptosis so you don't see you know the the damage that that you get from smoking other plant products because if we just don't see it in this plant if you take it orally then it's slower but you convert to oxy 11 or you know you you just you get different products here so you have to figure out how do you want to test this which you know you could take this to a uh, some place in LA, and you'd have people lining up to see how much if they could eat enough weed to kill themselves. So, I just want to say that it's not ethical to test uh, humans for lethal dose. Uh, it's just not not done. Um, what Dale's uh, uh, describing are experiments that were done on animals and then extrapolated to human uh, weight. So, um, you know, we. 
it would be very interesting to have a cannabis eating contest. We don't even know if it's the THC itself that uh, <laughs> that's necessary. It could be the other components in the plant. Dr. Hold on, it could be it could be all the uh, all the, like the Eagle Twenty and all the Avid and everything that that people spray on their weed too, right? Oh, good point. Right, right, right. Well, uh, I believe it was THC that was given to the rats for the. Uh, for the uh toxicity studies they should be giving boof to the rats just saying oh man oh man dr t is is it is it ethical to have a smoke off if you're trying to smoke out somebody hey informed consent is the bottom line to me you know informed consent i feel i feel you so gretchen are you aware of this story so they have the governor hochul has put a stop to the farmers markets in new york how do you feel about that? Gretchen? She smashed all the farmers' dreams of direct-to-consumer. She didn't buy any of their T-shirts, none of their grinders, and now she's <laughs> dashed away their dreams. Exactly. Well. I, kn- I knew there was concerns about the farmers' markets mm-hmm. um, when it was first announced by the OCM um, that they were thought to have made the announcement too soon and that uh, they were out of step with what the governor's office was looking for. So... I'm not sure if it was shut down for, I don't know, whatever bullshit reasons y'all are talking about with consumption. I don't know what the hell you guys are talking about. I just read the news. But I as think it, it was. Uh, what is. Uh, why are they saying it shut down? Because people are going to eat weed? Is that what you're talking about? No, no. She, no. she just. They would not comment further on it. They said they're shutting it down and they have no plans of reviving <laughs> it. So the OCM has basically took a page out, out of Rico's book and is doing a very fast backpedal. Oh, they're taking a page out of both of your books because everything <laughs> no, the Republicans no, no, no. say or do ends up being wrong. You're like, oh, let's pivot. Oh. My understanding, the OCM was ready to go with this. Hochul, for some reason, was not on board at the time that they announced it. I know they got in a lot of hot water when they did this mm. a month or so ago when they announced it. Mm-hmm. Um, so to- I think it's more of a political pissing match. I don't think it's okay. a reason that, oh, I hate the farmers and I want to kill farmers markets uh, i think it is i think i well, think she does i think she has something against farmers I'm markets i'm telling you from my inside knowledge jason beck and you she, still disagree i love it she sounds, see it sounds like you guys are flip-flopping right here mm-hmm. so it seems like uh it seems like what am i she, flip-flopping on it seems like uh, um, uh governor hochul here is just be, she's become a one-person party of no they said they want to do something and everybody else is like yeah we're gonna do it we're gonna do it and like, she's like no Every single time, would that be a would that be a um, um, an accurate assessment, Gretchen? Uh, maybe. I think she embraced cannabis when she needed to get elected, right. um, yep. and is now really seeing the reper. I and I also think she's a little bit more hesitant because of how poorly uh, the market has launched. Um, well, I mean, it's, it's under her. It's under, it's under, under her. her it's under her guidance. Yeah. I, well, that's, that's bad at leadership. Okay, yeah. that's so you say. We'll say governors are in charge, but we know they're not. They're the, the, not. The, the fish. Rots, I mean, truly, do you think Governor Hochul is really all over launching the cannabis market? You really think she's in there day in day out? No, but, it, but she's in charge of the state. She's in charge of the state, and she's doing photo ops. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm saying, oh yeah, we opened this. We're we're yep. winning. New York is uh, number one. Blah 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 blah. This is the new mecca of cannabis. She was talking all that shit. Exactly. Reminded me a lot, like you know, New York, New York, L.A., L.A. Back in the day, and I got scared. Mm-hmm. 
I'm having flashbacks. Scared of what? I'm having flashbacks right now. Tupac Biggie all over again. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, on on that one, we're going to go to a commercial. We're going to come right back. How's it going, guys? Saman Razani coming to you from Green Street here with Jason Beck smoking on the best weed in the world. Did you know that we have an audio-only version of our podcast available on Apple, Google, Amazon, iHeartRadio, and Spotify? Tune in now and check it out. New York, New York, big city of dreams and everything in New York. Oh, excuse me. We're back, Rico. We're back. We're back. Coming up next, y'all know who it is. He is the cannabis industry's longest continuously operating retailer known for smoking the best weed in the world, the automatic booth detector himself, and Smokey Vanilla's muse, Jason Beck. Oh, yeah, Rico. Oh, man. I got some big, big, big news today, you guys. Lay it on us. Oh, yeah. It's out of my buddy, Matt Gates, congressional office, because my good buddy, Matt Gates, Congressman Matt Gates, out of the first district in Florida. Matt Gates proposes an end to cannabis testing for the military. And I think all the vets should be doing this. Yeah, that's right. A proposed amendment to the National Defense Authorization Act by Representative Matt Gates from Florida would end cannabis testing for members of the military, both when they are enlisting and accepting a commission. If the amendment is included in the NDAA H.R. 2670, it would address a growing issue in the United States military. The increasing number of recruits who test positive for marijuana use, particularly in states where it is legal. Nearly 33% more recruits tested positive in 2022 than in 2020, according to the New York Times. And that isn't the only weed amendment. Another would allow doctors at the VA to give medical opinions on cannabis use as a treatment to patients in states where medical marijuana is legal. That amendment has been proposed by the co-chairs of the Congressional Cannabis Caucus, Representative Brian Mast and Barbara Lee and Earl Blumenhauer and Dave Joyce. Um, Another amendment would explicitly allow military members to consume CBD products that are legal under federal law, and that amendment was proposed by Representative Tom Gonzalez, Republican from Texas. But the main news, the NDAA, the National Defense Authorization Act, a proposed amendment to stop testing the military for cannabis. And I totally support this, and thank you so much, Mr. Matt Gates, for following through on these things, and we appreciate all of your work, and we hope that this passes. And this is Jason Beck for the High at Nine News Hour. What do y'all got to say about that? They can't, they can't staff the military if they don't allow people to smoke weed. I think that's the bottom line, mm-hmm. because... Uh, I mean, I was, I was, I'm a Vietnam era veteran, okay? We had Operation Golden Flow, and you had to piss all the time and be tested, and we found ways around it, wink, wink, nod, nod. But that was, that was a compelled military. We were drafted and things like that. Now, we're trying to attract people to the military, and um, if you will not allow them in because they've ever smoked weed or they might test positive, you're just not going to be able to fill these these uh, ranks. Exactly, and that's the that's the problem. And no one's going to think about a draft. So they got to f- get more creative here. And this is not just the military. There's a lot of traditional jobs where weed was just you know, verboten. You can't mm-hmm. do it. Now the reality is, it's you know, even with law enforcement, 
people admit they've smoked weed in the past, they, they let them go through before. You wouldn't allow people to do that. Mm-hmm. Do we have- just facing the practical realities. And I'm happy to see that Democrats and Republicans are coming to the, the understanding that these laws are nonsensical. They're actual bullshit and people don't follow them. So why do we keep having them on the books? Mm-hmm. You know, Dale, if we look at history, uh, I don't think there's been a military, an armed force that hasn't used cannabis. I mean, uh, back in Napoleon times, they were using cannabis. I, it's it's probably as old as the existence of, of armed forces uh, using cannabis. So this is really seems ridiculous that we're rehashing an old topic. Let's just look at our history. Is, is, is Sean Kiernan in the building? Is the, no, uh, he's traveling the, to Oregon today. The veteran's voice. He's traveling to Oregon yeah, today. Yeah, yeah. I, I'd like to hear from you know like, like anybody who's been fighting for the veteran cause right now. If if this is going to be, if this is going to have more solid footing than what we've seen come out of. Oh, well, well, we actually have. Right. Right. Well, I'm not. I could no. Hold on. Do I we? can speak for Sean Kiernan. This has. Yes. No, oh, you can speak. <laughs> yeah, you can speak for Sean Kiernan. Oh, that's a sound bite right there. Clip that one. Yeah, exactly. Clip that, Adam. Yeah. Love that we all think this is a possibility, and yay, the military is gonna get woke. Uh, you're all out of your damn minds. There is no way the military is pretty woke right now. The military <laughs> is going to say yes. Define woke. You can test. Simmer down. There is no way that these guys are going to start saying yes. You can use a illegal, federally controlled substance. Knock yourselves out. Not happening. No chance in hell. This amendment goes nowhere. So what you thank you, Matt Gates, for once again wasting our time. Just go to jail like you should have. Stop oh! it! You're such a hater. Stop it! Stop it. You're such oh, a hater. Another little girl to hang out with. Oh my god! Well, I, I don't want those to, false, baseless allegations with Sean, no accusers. I am on the board of Weed oh! for Warriors, so I think I understand this, and I've been to the VA mm-hmm. and. It is it's nonsensical that you're in a room with uh, a trained, licensed medical professional, and it's like we can't speak the words here, even though you know that everybody out there smoking weed for their PTSD. But you can't mention these things. So I mean, I, and I agree with Gretchen that if you were to ask the military what they want, we would you wouldn't have women in the military. Okay, you wouldn't have any close to the front lines. You wouldn't allow gays in the military. There'd be all kinds of things if you asked them. So you don't ask them, you fucking tell them, okay? But this is just not going to go very far unless you get some sort of buy-in from the military. And the fact they can't staff their ranks, I think, you know, behind closed doors, they're talking to themselves. Well, how important is this? We need to bring in especially low-income people, which staffs the military, I mean, middle, middle class kids are smoking weed. Yep. Let's mm-hmm. just be real here. Yep. And if you're going to try to attract the military and you have this kind of a area to get in, then here we are. Mm-hmm. And staff. Dale, if you want this to happen, then scheduling has to change okay. because there's no way they do this as a, a schedule one substance. No, it's got to be a global. And the problem is this has been incremental and you cannot get a global solution when everybody will agree. We'll take one little baby step. You need to take a large step need to get rid of all the legal impediments here. And I don't know how you feel about this, Dr. T, but having cannabis in the Controlled Substance Act is stupid. Um, it, it's like alcohol. It's not, it's not a medicine that you're going to be out marketing. It may be parts of it. Some molecules will be added to medicine, like alcohol is part of some medicines. But it needs to get someplace where it's treated like tobacco and alcohol. It's tax it. 
let it go interstate commerce and let the states decide how they want it, then 280E goes away. All these other problems, the gun things go away. The problems mm-hmm. can get solved. But hey, if you got a plan to get there, Gretchen, I'm all ears because I don't see it happening right now. Exactly. I, I don't have a plan to get there. The only plan is through legalization or descheduling. That's the only way it's going to happen. And when we've seen other organizations at the federal level, like the FBI or folks, change their rules, they haven't changed the rules to allow people to use. They have said, we're not going to penalize you for your use before. And then if you work at the White House, you still get fired. So let's not pretend like the feds are really going to get on board all of a sudden with cannabis and start allowing federal workers to use it. Oh, but hold on. Hold on. Hold on. But You're spe- crazy. Well, spe- so speaking of that, Gretchen, and interesting enough, on, on, on a totally side note, did you hear what recently... Are they going to start allowing cocaine in the White House? Is that what well, they, they, they are allowing they cocaine in the White so. House because that is the new development in, in the story of who's baggy, who left the baggy in the White House is because um, it was first reported that it was found in the, uh, in the library and now there is a new report stating that it was not found in the library, that it was found close to the situation room, meaning that it was a very right. high-ranking person that left that baggie in the White House and the straw also. I was, told it, I was told it was left in a uh, cubby hole where they... Are you listening? Turn that damn thing off. It was left in a cubby hole where they're supposed to put their phones and things that they're not allowed to take place. That is fake news right there. That is not the reality. No, it is. I'm saying that's the truth. You, I'm saying you are correct jason i'm just getting more precise oh okay this was on okay. the same level as the situation room mm-hmm. but in a place where they're supposed to leave their personal effects that they can't take other places i mean i mean who's who's gonna leave a baggie in the cubby no, uh, easy, with a straw i said the I easiest mean, way to get it in there is and i want i want to know i want to know how the straw is going to be disposed of because we you know we have to save the turtles and all i know like Peter's gonna be all yeah. over them if they throw away that straw. <laughs> <laughs> well, they're gonna they're gonna do straws. testing of the bag and do go out to ancestors.com and find out through your ancestor who left that baggie there. Mm-hmm. It's just this gonna be a big indictment's coming. This is such bullshit. I mean, my favorite alkaloid is caffeine. Okay, mm-hmm. uh, because I can't handle coke anymore. But trust me, <laughs> people take bumps, and if you. And if you're trying to pretend like this ain't happening around there, and there's hysteria because someone is, is doing coke, I mean, grow the fuck up. I think I think uh, when I'm, we I'm had, not advocating you do it, but for God's sake. Remember so. when we had uh, Jamarcus Purley on, um, on the show, and he was talking about all kinds of stuff that was going down in Diane Feinstein's office, mm-hmm. cocaine. They were doing everything but shooting up because that gives you the nod. Oh, Anything that keeps man. them up, man. Amphetamines. Anything that keeps them up. Oh man, blue, you know, blue chew. We're gonna. We 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 we, we got to keep it moving. We're going to be on a tangent all day talking about this story. Uh, we're, we got to keep it moving. We're going to go to our feisty, redheaded conservative, Gretchen Gailey. She's the founder of Panoptic Strategies and our very own Washington Insider who loves to march her dogs to a different beat of the drum as she parades them around town in outfits that they do not approve of. That's right. It is none other than the Gretchen Gailey. My babies love their outfits. Uh, so you my say. headline is, I know, they get it so excited. They're like, mommy, mommy, put me in it. I bet. I you bet. have to be here. Mm-hmm. They say, Jason Vex got that boof weed. Give me my dress. That's what they yeah, say. Yeah, right. <laughs> All right. My headline comes from uh, Marijuana Moment uh, from my good old home state. Bipartisan Pennsylvania senators unveil new marijuana legalization bill. 
Bipartisan Pennsylvania senators have officially introduced a new bill to legalize marijuana in the state. Senators Dan Laughlin and Cherie Street filed the legislation on Thursday, about two months after first announcing their plans to team up on a reform push again and their joint cannabis efforts in prior sessions. Legalized adult use of marijuana is supported by an overwhelming majority of Pennsylvanians, and this legislation accomplishes that while also ensuring safety and social equity, uh, according to Laughlin in a press release. Uh, With neighboring states, New Jersey and New York, implementing adult use, we have a duty to Pennsylvania taxpayers to legalize adult use marijuana to avoid losing out on hundreds of millions of dollars of new tax revenue and thousands of new jobs. The two senators previously sponsored a legalization bill that was not ultimately enacted last session, but they say the newly filed proposal represents a significant improvement that they hope to advance. We have a unique and singular opportunity to correct decades of mass incarceration, disproportionate enforcement against marginalized communities, the criminalization of personal choice, and the perpetuation of violence, which all materialize from the failed war on drugs. Legalizing the adult use of cannabis will help us fully and equitably fund education, lower property taxes, and address a variety of... Who is making that noise? Good. Dr. T, simmer down. Legalizing the adult use of cannabis will help us fully and equitably fund education, lower property taxes, and address a variety of community needs throughout Pennsylvania. Here's what SB 846 would accomplish. Adults 21 and older can purchase, possess, and gift up to 30 grams of cannabis. The legislation would allow medical cannabis patients to grow up to five plants for personal therapeutic use, but adult use consumers would not have a home grow option. Marijuana products would be subject to an 8% sales tax, and retailers would additionally need to pay a 5% excise tax on cannabis that it sells. The tax revenue would go to a cannabis regulation fund under the state treasury department, Tax dollars would cover administrative costs and then be distributed to municipalities that allow cannabis businesses to operate in their area and the state general fund to provide economic relief to this commonwealth. Marketing that targets use would be prohibited and there would be workplace requirements regarding marijuana use for all those operating in good faith. The administrative office of Pennsylvania courts would work with police to identify records for people with prior cannabis convictions and facilitate automatic expungements. People who have been disproportionately impacted under criminalization and meet income requirements would be eligible for social and economic equity business licenses. The measure would prioritize public safety, giving law enforcement the ability to adjudicate impaired driving and empower them to eradicate the illicit market. While federal law prohibits people who use marijuana from buying or owning firearms, the bill would provide state-level protections against losing gun rights over cannabis. And possession or use of marijuana by parents or guardians could not be used as the sole basis for adverse child custody actions. Uh, We'll see where this goes. I don't know. Pennsylvania hasn't been that great in passing cannabis legalization uh, bills. Uh, The last one they did was quite a while ago on medical. Um, But anything's better than their last proposal to put cannabis in state stores. This is Gretchen for Hyatt 9 News. It sounds like the campaign we rolled out for Prop 64 here in California, promising taxes and all these revenues. And I think if you ask these municipalities, they'll they'll tell you that we're still not adding to our coffers and putting out a lot of resources to enforce. Uh, I would like to see more states actually learn from other states and put together comprehensive general plans. This might be one. But it kind of makes me chuckle when all they say all this tax revenue we're going to get. Yeah, well. You don't do this right 
trap shops, you know, make all the money and you don't get you don't get any taxes from that. And plus, you're pumping out resources to go out and enforce against them. So I let's see, Gretchen, I'm happy to see bipartisanship and maybe they won't have rectal myopia as they're trying to roll this thing out. Well, bipartisanship oh is the only way that they've gotten they got the medical through uh, the first time around. Uh, Dale, I think the difference between Pennsylvania and California is going to be uh, I have not heard any major outcry from municipalities of not my backyard. Pennsylvania has pretty much embraced medical um, and I have not heard. No, I don't want this to come here. So I think that's where California fell short is you had so many folks saying we didn't want it. Uh, Pennsylvania, I think, is ready for it. They need the money. Um, I find it interesting, the home grow rule, uh, suggesting that, like, you're going to grow so much weed that you're going to be able to compete with these folks. I guess that's what they're assuming. I think it's ridiculous. Um, the taxation level's not horrific, mm-hmm. um, as taxes go. But we'll see. And I do love that they're protecting their firearms, because that's what we care about in Pennsylvania. Bible and our guns. Mm-hmm. Uh, Gretchen, every well, now and again, you claim Pennsylvania is is, is we is your state too. So uh, yes, whenever sir. they do something good, you claim the state. Whenever they do something bad, you don't. Yeah, that's true. What? I'll claim it all. I'm a Pirates fan, for God's sake. I'm a Pirates fan. What kind of piracy? I, I, I actually kind grew of up in real you, Pittsburgh, unlike of? Jason Beck. Stop oh. the cap. <laughs> 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 Uh, yeah. Well, I, I don't know what the uh, the constitutional provisions in Pennsylvania are for local control. But out here in California, my God, since the 1880s, we have had a mandate that local jurisdictions control um, zoning, uh, health and safety rules locally, unless the state passes a statewide set of laws that, that um, invade the entire area. And so I don't know what what Pennsylvania is like. What we had in California is we could not get our initiative passed unless we got buy-in from these cities and counties who demanded that they maintain local control. And I'll tell you, it has been a horrible mess here in California because you got all this hodgepodge. I, I'm, I, I operate in, we got 58 counties and I operate in multiple of them in multiple cities, every place. There's different feelings about this. You just cannot get uniformity. And to the extent Pennsylvania can avoid that problem, I'd recommend they try to make this a state law that occupies the entire area and not give uh, local jurisdictions the ability to say, no, we don't want it here. Because that's the California mess. Uh, I don't know how we break that log jam. Gretchen, what's the tax tax rate that they're proposing uh, for for adult use in Pennsylvania? 8% 8% with a 5% excise tax. 8%. So 13 retailers. so 13%. So that is a lower tax rate than California, but we all know that California is way overtaxed and I'll say even Pennsylvania will be overtaxed in regards to that cuz I think anything more than just a simple standard sales tax is a gross overtaxation with no representation. And with that, we're going to go to a commercial and we'll be right back. The Control Tower from Highly Educated has perfected the dab. Utilizing the concept of thin film evaporation, you can waste none of it and taste all of it. The micro texture of the SE pillar increases nucleation at elevated temperatures. And with the tower propelling at 2600 RPMs, it's certainly the most efficient dab experience to date. The Control Tower from Highly Educated. 
This legendary cannabis doctor is the founder of Medican and the co-founder of CESC and probably wrote your mama's 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 wreck to keep her from doing the worst. Y'all know who it is, Dr. Jean Talleyrand coming to the stage. What you got for us today, Dr. T? Hey, Rico. Thanks. Uh, happy Friday, everyone. Uh, as a doctor, I value objectivity and pursue wellness. Uh, my responsibilities center around people who suffer. But when I read today's headline, I remind, I'm reminded that others operate with orthogonal motives. My headline today is from U.S. News and World Reports. Access to medical cannabis won't lower the use of opioid painkillers. Study by Steven Reinberg. As a point of reference, data from New York State, published earlier this year in the Journal of the American Medical Association, indicated the opposite. The longer patients used cannabis, the greater their reduction in opioid dosages, the study showed. So why does this article state the opposite? Actually, it doesn't. The headline is misleading. If you read past the title, it says medical cannabis is touted as a pain reliever. Yes, that's right. We learned that five years ago when the National Academy of Sciences Review published this statement. There is conclusive or substantial evidence that cannabis or cannabinoids are effective for the treatment of chronic pain in adults. So the U.S. news story continues, but in U.S. states where cannabis is legal, prescriptions for opioid or non-opioid painkillers haven't decreased. A new study finds. According to researchers, this means that people aren't switching to cannabis for pain relief in huge numbers, even when it's legally available. So it's unlikely to ease the nation's opioid overdose epidemic. The study compares chronic pain patients from 12 states with legal access to cannabis to chronic pain patients from 17 states where cannabis is illegal. The results don't show a difference in opiate use between the two groups. However, this study has significant limitations. It uses a strong non-experimental design and relies on untestable assumptions involving parallel counterfactual trends. If you read further, the article describes several reasons why the results are what they are. One reason might be that doctors are reluctant to prescribe cannabis for pain. We know from physician surveys that many physicians are reluctant to recommend cannabis, says lead researcher Beth McGinty. They can't prescribe it technically because cannabis is still a controlled substance. Another barrier is that health insurance companies don't cover cannabis for pain, so patients have to pay out of pocket. Dr. Peter Grinspoon, a cannabis specialist at Harvard Medical School, says, I recently had a patient who I successfully transitioned off of both opioids and benzodiazepines to cannabis and who was doing a lot better in all regards. But the weed was costing him $150 per month and the Percocet and Valium were each only $1 per month. So he was forced to switch back. Dr. Diana Martins-Welch, a palliative medicine specialist from New Hyde Park, New York, says, it's not for everybody. There's so many different types of pain. So for people with pain like fibromyalgia or neuropathy, it may be, do better than for people with chronic back pain due to spinal issues. I found that the type of pain doesn't matter so much as the safety profile of cannabis. 
the potential harm from opioid use far outweighs any minor differences in benefits. So what do you think? Is access to cannabis lowering the use of opioid dosages? Are people with pain having difficulty accessing cannabis? Or is this headline just misleading? This is Dr. Jean Talleyrand with Hyatt 9 News. Dr. Jean, this is... Um... You're right. It's, it's just the headline. <laughs> yeah. Dr. John, I think this is just a, a specialized report of propagandaism by the pharmaceutical industry trying to just say, hey, yes. cannabis is not the end all be all. And the opioid epidemic is only going to continue and get greater and bigger. Yeah, there's way too much nuance behind this argument. And um, a headline like that is, is, is definitely going to get clicks. Mm -hmm. We know the truth. So is this something to do with U.S. News and their position? Um, I, I think I, I think this is I think this is just I think this is this this is set this is, this is the part of the setup of the of the government of moving into Schedule Three and handing over the whole cannabis industry over to Big Pharma. There was another. Oh, go ahead, yeah. Dale. I I don't know about your your experience, Jean, but we started doing recommendations in 1999. We uh, had 98. a year or so, we had thousands of patients and we began tracking um, their use of other or pharmaceuticals and alcohol and tobacco. And when they returned every year, we, we had them fill us in and we were following longitudinally what this was. And we found an immediate drop in people who were taking opioids, especially or benzos for some of the things that cannabis would work on. They came back and said, I've either cut my my use of those substances down to next to nothing or I'm off of them. And then you start working with them and how you titrate, what's the best method of administration and things like that. And so we saw immediate results uh, with the use of opioids. And, and you, you can have all these articles you want that I suspect are being pushed by the pharmaceutical industry. But the realities are that people are looking for things to use other than you know, uh, benzos or, or opioids, which they know have dependency problems to them, other problems in the systems. And this is, relatively speaking, non-toxic. It's very safe. And you can't compare it to an opioid because there is an attainable lethal dose, dose with all opioids. So it's not going to kill you. Uh, Dr. Tallarian, I have a question for you. Um, how would you actually monitor this kind of number. It seems like an extremely difficult number to actually come up with how many people are switching from opioids to cannabis without it being just uh, anecdotal with someone just saying, yes, this is what I'm doing. I, I recall earlier in the days of when of legalization, uh, Johns Hopkins said that there was a 25% reduction in states that legalized medically. Um, but apparently these people don't agree with that. So I'm just wondering, is there really a good way to come up with this number? It's difficult. You make a really good point, Gretchen. It's difficult to get this kind of data. Um, and even the study, uh, the authors say that their data was was no good. Uh, uh, it was a very difficult study to do. So uh, you wouldn't get problem. It's Yeah, it's very difficult. Um, but just to point out, there are other ways to sort of uh, get hints around this. I, I think there was an earlier story this year where um, we saw that in states with cannabis laws, there were um, there were less sales of prescription drugs. Also, mm -hmm. I'm really wondering 
you know, what the industry thinks about this price discrepancy, $150 per month. And in California, I think it's more than that on average, probably closer to two or 300 um, compared to a dollar per month for the other medication. And yet still people are going um, to cannabis. Imagine if the price was just dropped by half. Uh, we get a lot more customers. Imagine having uh, uh, being able to buy cannabis on a copay. That would be amazing. That would be amazing. But I imagine it would never happen. And even if it did, you're probably, your insurance would go up so high that you probably wouldn't even be able to afford it. So therefore, you wouldn't even be able to afford your copay. Well, insurance runs America, and uh, this is why they have the biggest buildings in New York. That part. All the money. Yeah. They would lobby to make it a nutraceutical that they don't have to that they don't have to cover. Shout out That's to what Herb- the insurance industry would do. Mm-hmm. Shout out to Herbalife. <laughs> yeah. Do we have another uh, commercial, Adam? And let's run. Let's run this next. Let's run, run this it. final commercial real quick. Keeping up to date on the evolving policies of relevant state, local, and federal governments is key to success. When the future of your business is at stake, you need representation as dedicated as you are. With a maze of laws and regulations surrounding cannabis, hemp, and psychedelics, knowing where to begin can be a challenge. Good thing the law offices of Omar Figueroa features a skilled, highly focused team ready to guide you through it all. They're accepting new clients in California and New York. So make sure you check them out at info at omarfigueroa.com. Oh, yeah. Coming up next, we have the Mr. Attorney Dale Schaefer with the Arm- founding partner of the Armada Law Corp. He's here to tell us all about some very, very fascinating things. And he was a one-time felon, and now he's over here telling us about the news. Oh, yeah, that's right. It is attorney at law, Mr. Dale Schaefer. Well, good morning, everybody. It seems that on Monday... um. Seed Junkie had the audacity to sue Cookies and Burner and a few other um, individual defendants for a, a bad seed genetic deal um, that is only going to get worse as we learn more about this. I want to emphasize this is just a complaint was filed. These are allegations. Nothing's been proven yet. But according to this complaint, um, Seed Junkie was approached by Burner back as early as 2017 about working on genetics, and they didn't want to until 2019. And so they they agreed to a joint venture. They called it Mints LLC. Seed Junkie threw a bunch of genetics into it to get a 49% interest, and Cookies took a 51% interest, and they were apparently supposed to run the operations, provide corporate logistics and things like that. <clears throat> and as what happens far too often when there's a lot of money and a lot of power involved. The scandalous side of humans comes out. Uh, I want to emphasize these are only allegations, but what they're claiming is that they, they put together an agreement to, to form this company and the operating agreement, which is the constitution for a, an LLC bylaws or the constitution for a corporation, the operating agreement required that they behave in certain ways, not compete, not solicit, things like that. And it's the allegations are that the genetics that Sea Junkie threw in, they were given to some uh, cultivators, and the result of that, cookies got a hold of and started to market. 
And they actually are claimed to have been so audacious about it that they used, uh, they, they admitted to it on the packaging that they had acquired these through um, the, the genetics that Sea Junkie had put into the marketplace for them to use and license. And they went even further that they, um, the management of this was not in the control of Seed Junkie. Uh, there was one person running it and that they ran a whole bunch of operations out of the same place. They conspired together to basically torpedo this company called Mints, uh, go out and solicit clients and take them away and interfere with Seed Junkie's ability to go out in the marketplace and be a viable entity. And that uh, they want them to be disgorged of their profits, to pay damages, to have injunctions issued to stop them from doing what they're doing, uh, and punitive damages. So this is another example of what I call shit sandwiches. When people come to me and their businesses have gone off the cliff, um, and you take a look at the control group, and very few people um, enter into these relationships with as much um, thought as you do picking up a girl in the bar. Uh, when you bring a control group together and you can't get along, it's worse than a bad marriage. And what's claimed to have happened here is that one of these companies was actually running Mints okay, and that they were acting in not in the best interest of either Mints or in Seed Junkie, and these are breaches of fiduciary duties. So this, this is a pissing match between Berner and a group of people that he brought together and Seed Junkie. And we'll wait to see what Berner and his group has to say back about this. But this is, you know, pop some popcorn, folks, because this is going to show the underbelly of how humans act when there's money and power involved. So I'll throw it back to you guys to um, let's kick this around a little bit because this is only going to get more entertaining. Adam, do we have that video? Can we play? There we Dude's go. Dude's been crying like a little bitch on Instagram for a long time, throwing subliminals. And it's sad what's happening in the cannabis industry right now. Everyone wants to team up with big money guys and sue people. Um, look, JBZ, wow. when we met, we brought a lot of value to each other. All right. Whether it be some of the genetics we brought to the table for you to create some staple strains, whether it be us bringing our platform or whether it be you bringing your genetics, right? But let's just get this right. We were partners in the Mince brand. I introduced you to my audience, which is a pretty fucking big audience. We killed it together. We were aligned, right? We killed it together. We were aligned. You chose to go do your own thing. You wanted to build a seed junkie brand. Now, what makes me more upset about any of this and anything is when we first partnered, you told me the seed junkie brand was off the table that you didn't want to fucking touch that because of whatever reasons. We won't get into that, right? You went off to go do seed junkie, right? With somebody else and you failed. You failed, dog. You failed. Seed junkie did not pop. From there, you sold clones and upset a bunch of people in the industry by giving them hot laden. And, um, you know, that was a very big deal online. We still stood behind you. We still had your back. You then partnered with ex-police officers. You panicked when the internet reacted to that. You called me. You tried to offer me. Damn, equity. son. Where'd you find this? To get our support. Naturally, I just couldn't really stand behind that. 
I was very quiet Boom. in that. Bam. And that, that didn't do so well for you, right? And now, when your biggest investors, billionaire, um, largest shareholder in MedMen, fires you up and gets you to file a lawsuit on us. Well, first of all, the lawsuit's completely false. It's, it's not, there's no validity to any of that. Validity. We have receipts for everything we've ever done with you. And I just hate that it got to this point because I respect you as a man. I respect you as a hardworking uh, breeder that brought a lot of good things to the game. I met your father. I spent time with your father, brother. Like, this is some chicken crybaby pussy ass shit. And I just had to share my side of the story. Um, in partnerships and in business, things can go left all the time. But in the cannabis industry, we have to stop this whole... I'm going to sue you shit because at the end of the day, the only one that makes money is the lawyers. And I think it's just very cowardly. There's plenty of ways we could have worked this out. You know how we could have worked this out. We chose not to go that route. So the same platform that I introduced to you, the same platform that stood in lines to buy your gear that represents me and what I built as as a person, as a, as a company, now has to know what kind of bullshit you're on. So... I know desperate times call for desperate measures. I just never in a million years saw this coming. You're a weed guy, bro. You sit down like men and you figure shit out. But again, I feel very confident that what we have in receipt and writing and documentation, that what you're claiming is fucking bullshit. So I'm gonna get back to this lake. I'm gonna get back to doing what I'm doing. I'm getting ready for tour. I got a two month tour all across the nation. I plan to see all y'all out there i plan to enjoy my life and i feel sorry for miserable bastards to have to take this route There's damn a lot of son where'd you find this about jbc junkie and i'll leave it at this a lot of people really don't fuck with you homie because you got a very bitter sour personality you don't like to see other people win you don't give other people credit when credit is due with that being said Fuck yeah. Us bringing our platform, whether it be. <laughs> man, oh man, oh man, well, oh man. But a whole new meaning to burn this row. Uh huh. <laughs> well, as an attorney, my advice is shut the fuck up. Yeah. The same idea to Donald Trump. Get off Shut social media. This is social media, and he's got a platform. And, you know, I just hope that this doesn't come back and bite him on the ass. And what you're seeing here is the pissing match. Mm -hmm. Personalities don't match here. And when you're trying to run multi-million dollar companies and these pissing matches are taking place with the owners and the managers and controllers, you know, in this, these days and times, uh, it'd be nice to sit down. I've, I've arbitrated and negotiated and mediated disputes before. But it doesn't always work out. Sometimes you just got to go into court. And the culture of cannabis, you know, he's talking about, oh, we work this out amongst ourselves. Yeah, no, you don't. When you've got millions of dollars invested, you know, attorneys will talk people into suing each other. And I, you know, I, I like making money. Don't get me wrong. My bread and butter is, you know, being involved in litigation. But, man, this, this is just going to be entertaining. And, you know, my advice to Berner is be careful what you say.
I would say I would say he needs to call the Wassermans right now, man. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, maybe, maybe just watch some of their videos and realize to STFU. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah I, I was surprised he put put out that video in in, in regards to, uh, especially seeing as how the company's in an open litigation case. Um, I, I, w- I was very surprised to see that video, um, and I'm surprised that he hasn't taken it down yet. Your, your words will and can be used against you, brother. 100%. 100%. Well, but there's value in this industry for burner and for cookies. And so going public about this, it, it's getting people on their side. This, this is playing to right. an audience. It's about business and maintaining the value of, of their products they've got and trying to trash the others. Um, I mean, what happens in litigation is you can't sue people what, for what you say in official proceedings. That's why people shut up, man. Go out there because you can get sued for defaming people. Um, and it's just, you know, this is not kneecapping people time anymore. This is what happens when big business comes in. They bring their lawyers with them. And I'll tell you, lawyers, you know, I know too damn many of them. And many of the jokes are true because some of them are just assholes. I mean, I have my time being an asshole myself. Oh, so. yeah. Oh, but, man. But you know what? Yeah. You, you can be an asshole. You can be a dick. You can be a pussy. You make that choice. Mm-hmm. Man, I'll tell I'm you. I'm an asshole for hire. I, I love it. I love it. Uh, I have one more story for you guys today. I think you guys are going to love this this one, especially you, Gretchen. You're going to love this. I, want, I can't wait. I want you to pull can your you tell pull, by the enthusiasm in my voice. I can, I can, without a doubt, without a doubt, because you'll never, guys, you're never going to believe this. But over a hundred and nine million dollars worth of illegal cannabis is seized in California. Over $109 million in illegal cannabis was seized by California authorities during a recent statewide crackdown, authorities say. The operation saw a 104% increase in illegal cannabis products seized during the Q2 period of April through June of 2023, according to the California Department of Fish and Wildlife. In total, authorities seized 120,970 illegal cannabis plants, 66,315 pounds of cannabis flour, $223,809 in cash, 92 search warrants were served, and 19 firearms were confiscated. The total value of the seized cannabis amounts to $109,277,688.94. Officials said from January through March of 2023, officials seized 52 million of unlicensed cannabis and cannabis products. The unified... uh, the Unified Cannabis Enforcement Task Force was created in 2022 and includes more than two dozen local, state, and federal partners working together to disrupt the illegal cannabis market. In a quote, this well-orchestrated task force continues to reach new heights on shutting down a very on a, a variety of illicit operations that range from dispensaries to indoor grow houses to outdoor cultivation sites, among other facets in the illegal supply chain, said David Bess, chief enforcement officer of the California Department of Fish and Wildlife. And in a second quote, he says, through our expertise in addressing environmental concerns, including contamination, hazardous waste, and banned pesticides, we collaborate to eliminate the adverse impact of the illegal cannabis market, said Hansing Pang, a chief investigator with the Department of Toxic Substances Control. Man, oh man, oh man, what do you think about this? And Gretchen, did you pull out your calculator so we can do some math? 
<laughs> well, no. I mean, any, anytime they they do stuff like this and say that, oh, we're going to disrupt the illegal market, like, no, you're not, <laughs> right? <laughs> Just no, you're not. You're not. You're actually helping to to bring wholesale prices back up to where they need to be. Right. You're making people more money. Yeah. So thank you, thank you for seizing all that boof weed that no one really wants to smoke anyway. Mm-hmm. These statistics are just nonsensical because it, it's such a small part of the market. And it's like the cartels send somebody across the border in a fancy car to get popped while they run a hundred pounds out at the next, uh, right. you know, the next mm-hmm. lane that no one's going to look at. The, the war on drugs has been a miserable failure, and these are just more statistics to try and further the war on drugs. I try to, you know, to, to explain to policymakers all the time, if you, want to, if you want to beat the black market, you got to beat them at their own game. Open up the, the green market, let people go out there and compete. If there's no money in weed in the black market, people will not be doing weed in the black market. They'll find mm-hmm. someplace else to go. So this is just furtherance of paychecks for law enforcement officers. Facts. That's right. Facts That's about right. facts. Seizure, seizure, seizure. That's the name of the game. All right, let's seize her and get a seizure. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. <laughs> but thank you all for joining us for today's episode of High Nine News. You can always catch us weekdays, 9 a.m. Pacific, High Noon on the East Coast. And, of course, the crack of dawn out in Hawaii. Big shout out to the super fans showing us love, getting your comments projected live on the big screen. Also to the live audience members and online supporters catching us across all media platforms, tuning in and giving us feedback on the daily headlines of chaos. To our vetted correspondent team tuning in from all over, bringing us much needed variety of perspective and your respected opinions to the table as well. Our production team, Cloud Media Partners, House of Fuego, The Vortex, 91 Club, and all our sponsors helping us keep the lights on and our AV struggles to a minimum. And, of course, the lovely Zsa Simone, who's coming out to the CA, the lovely streets of Los Angeles today. Always holding things down over in Clubhouse and uh, Spaces. We're on Twitter Spaces. Twitter Spaces, bro. We dropped Clubhouse. I said or, you know. We we, we dropped dropped Clubhouse, bro. You just got to stop mentioning that. All right, Twitter Spaces. R.I.P. And to the haters. I love you guys, man. It's my birthday this week, so I'm all about the love. Keep on bringing the hate. Keep on bringing the hate and let me balance it out on the other side with love, man. It's all about that love. And always, Cannabis Sativa L, the reason why the Hyatt 9 News team shows up and do these headlines every single day. Thank you. Thank you, lovely. It has been Friday, July 7th, 2023. The show's over. You've all been blessed with today's top industry headlines. Hope was enough for you to put in your pipe and smoke at least until Monday. I'm Rico Lamy, the dopest dad on the street, and your daily reminder to keep your head to the sky. Why? Because when life gives you no place else to turn, you can always turn the fuck up. Gretchen Gailey, what do you have for us taking us out today? <laughs> I was on mute. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. What you got? I would I, I would I would say burner, shut the fuck up. I don't know what you're doing over shut there. the fuck up. <laughs> <laughs>